Hello, this is Mrs. Pinion, your librarian at Northwest High School, with our very first episode of Voice of the Vikings, our brand new podcast that is all about Northwest High School. Today, we are honored to have a very special guest, our very first guest on Voice of the Vikings, our favorite acting principal, Miss Hiller. You know, I wanted, before we get started with the questions, I wanted to tell you on behalf of the whole Viking community, thank you for all you have done to lead us through these difficult times. I know when Mr. Kitley left a few months ago, you did not envision that this is the way the year was going to play out, but you are a hero. You have done a fabulous job. Thank you so much for all of us in the community. Thank you. Bravo, bravo, bravo. All right. So what we're going to do with our Voice of the Viking podcast is we are going to play 20 questions. So are you ready for your 20 questions? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. First of all, can you start off and tell us where, what is your hometown? Where did you grow up? My hometown is a little town in the mountains of North Carolina in Yancey County called Burnsville that has a couple of stoplights, a whole bunch of churches, a whole bunch of gas stations. Two middle schools, one high school, and a handful of elementary schools. So it's a very tiny little town. So everybody knew everybody, which is kind yes. of fun for a small town type yes. thing. So what, what, tell me, what is one of your favorite childhood memories that you had growing up in Birdsville? Probably my most vivid memory is working tobacco at my grandparents' farm. Um, my grandparents were tobacco farmers, and up until I graduated from high school, we we got a free vacation. That's what they called it from school for once a week when it was um, time to pick tobacco and get it ready um, to hang. And uh, my my most vivid memory of that is our barn was two stories, and I was up on the second story, um, and my cousin would hand me um, this the tobacco, which was on this huge stalk. And I would have to sling it over my shoulder and hang it. And when I went to hang it and I sling it over my shoulder, I was like, it didn't come off my shoulder. And then I realized that what I felt was, well, in my brain, it was like a 10 foot black snake and it was probably four feet. At oh my least. gosh. But is hanging on my shoulder. Um, it fell out of the tobacco and I of course freaked out and fell out of the, um, out of the loft and, I mean, I was fine to break anything, but um, it knocked my breath out and it was it was terrible. But that was my most vivid mem- childhood memory of picking tobacco on my grandparents. Did, farm. The, did the snake fall with you or did it yes, go off? It sure did. It should, but then it scurried off. Thank so. Right. It didn't decide it needed to stay. It did not want to be around to right. do that. So, well, I know I think that's something people today don't appreciate is the tobacco farming culture. That's probably from our generation, you know, yeah. the area I grew up in everybody worked tobacco or did some sort of out in their garden, you know, big garden things. So things. Yeah. I have horrible memories of picking beans and breaking <laughs> beans. All in, in your grandmother's oh like, my, yes, yes. green beans. And we would have to wear my grandmother's apron and she would, you'd hold her, hold her apron up and collect the beans in her apron. Yep. Lots of memories of that. I can relate to some of those. Okay. So, so when, when like, one of the things that I think is fun to think about when you're growing up is like food memories. Do you have a good food memory, like something your mom cooked or your grandma cooked that you just like, and when you go back home, you might want her to make for you? Well, every time I go home, well, so my brother and my sister and I, we all have birthdays in December. So um, when we go home in December, we all, it's one big celebration and my mom cooks all of our favorite foods in one meal. So um, my brother always has peas and dumplings. My sister has all vegetables, which I don't like. 
My favorite is meatloaf, mashed potatoes, applesauce. That that was my favorite. So, uh, and it still is. So, your mother must have been a wreck by the time January first rolled. Oh, wait, I have three exactly. birthdays and Christmas. Yes. And all all that rolled into one. That's yes. a lot going on in December. Yep. In December at your house. So, um, let's go, let's go and talk about school. So, I have to ask you: Did you ever get in trouble in school? Were you, or were you a good girl rule follower? I was. I was a rule follower, except for this one time. I can't even believe I'm going to say this. Um, I was in the 11th grade. I was in love with my best friend, Tim Neal, who was a football player. We were both in what would have been a, we didn't have AP back then, but it would have been AP English. It was AG English, even then in high school. <laughs> and um, it was research paper time. And I wrote his research paper and my research paper. And of course, we had to handwrite them at the time because there was no such thing as we didn't type papers back in the 80s. So, um, but I thought I was being sly, but I really wasn't because my teacher knew us well enough to know that I had written both papers. However, he got to keep his grade, which was better than my grade. So I did a better job on his paper than I did on mine. So, yeah, he got to keep, well, I, he got to keep a passing grade, but I did not. So well, that seems kind of unfair. That you can get you could get away with things like that back then, but it's a so, cautionary tale. But I a did cautionary tale I did get in now. trouble for cheating and writing um, his paper. The things yeah. we do for young love. That's right, right, right. Now, who was your favorite teacher? Like, if you look back in your elementary, middle school, high school career, do you have one teacher that stands out to you as your I, favorite? I do. My very favorite teacher was Mr. Penland. He was my third grade teacher, and he. I was the teacher's pet, but it wasn't because I was the smartest or the sweetest. I was the fat, dumpy kid that needed attention. And so, um, I, I mean, I had good friends. I had a, two good friends in that class, and we were we were all his teacher's pet, I guess you could say. Um, but he probably gave me my first sense of self-esteem as a student um, and just that he made he complimented me when I when I did good work, but he held me accountable and, you know, made me feel better about myself. That was the first time I really remember having a teacher that really made me feel good about myself. I think it's important. I think and you think about it as an educator, you think about the teachers looking back. I think about the teachers that made me think, oh, oh, maybe I am OK. In school. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you and since yeah. sometimes to be validated that, hey, you really are you, what you do. OK, since I'm a librarian, I have to ask this question. Did you have a favorite book as a child, a favorite book when you were a kid <laughs> or were you not a reader? And it's OK to say that. Okay, I first of all, I read every um, not even Nancy Drew, but I read every Hardy Boy mystery book there was. But as a kid, my favorite book was a book called How to Eat Fried Worms. That's a great story. I don't even know. Is it a popular yeah. still? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That but I, people should read it. I don't should, know they do. They should. It was How to Eat Fried Worms. That was my favorite book as a kid. I, that changed the older I got. Yeah, but that's okay. That's a, And I'm sure a lot of kids today can relate to that. It was, kind of, it was kind of a silly book, but it was fun. Now, when you were, when you were, I know you said your grandparents had a farm, and I think I heard you say one time that your mom had a store. What was your job as a teenager? Did you have anything <laughs> to do um, to make a little extra spending money? I did. Um, I mean, it was hard because we had to, during the season, or even, you know, when it was off season, tobacco was still you had to tend the land in a way. So, but my first real job was at McDonald's. 
So that was my first. Our little town did not get a fast food joint that was like a chain fast food place until 1985. And it was McDonald's. Well, so if you awesome got the job McDonald's. at McDonald's, the first, it was like the real deal. So that was my first, that was my first real job. That's fun though. It's fun. You know, I think it's, I know my, remember my first job. It's fun. The, the things, the people you work with, the lessons you learn, yeah. the money you make, even though it, that's not a oh, lot, yeah. but it's, it's something to, to, to go. Now, so when, after Burnsville, where did you go off to college? I, my brother, my siblings are a lot older than me. My sister's 10 years older than I am. And my brother's 12 years older than I am. My sister had come to Greensboro to nursing school at UNCG. Um, so I used to come and visit her a lot. I was also um, knew that I was going into theater. So UNCG had a very um, good theater department that had a summer theater in Burnsville. So I was already connected to the school through that theater. So um that's that was kind of the only place I really ever wanted to go. Okay, now so. I have to ask questions. So tell me about your favorite role. That is not even I'm going out the 20 <laughs> question script, which is what we do with live podcasts. So when you're recording. So tell me about your favorite theater role you ever did. Mm, or top. Probably two. my favorite show that I was in as a kid was The Miracle Worker. And I played <sighs> Annie Sullivan. That's a um, tough one. That's and a tough role. I loved, I, I kind of, I've always been drawn to the dramas. So as a, as, as a young actor, that was my favorite. That was my favorite thing. I, I cannot sing my way out of a bucket. So musical theater was never my thing, but. Hey, there's all sorts of kind. Broadway has room for everybody. That's right. So if you came to do theater, that's the reason you came to UNCG. Uh-huh. When did you decide you wanted to be an educator? Well, I knew I was going to, I didn't, I didn't want to be in theater to be a, an actor. I wanted to be a theater teacher. So um, when I came to UNCG, I double majored in theater education and English education. Whoa. So yeah, I did both. So, because my mom always said, you are not going to get a job teaching theater. You're going to have to get a job teaching English and then hopefully you'll get to teach theater. So, well, that's good. So what path brought you to Northwest High School? So I had, I spent most of my teaching career at Southwest High School. So I taught English and theater there. Um, After I had Avery and Spencer, they were still little. I kind of needed to drop the theater um, and be a mom. So I decided I just wanted to focus on English. So I got my first job at Northwest High School in 2006 as an English teacher. So I was here for two years as an English teacher. Then I went to Southeast as a curriculum facilitator for two years. Then I came back to Northwest Middle School as an assistant principal, was there for two years. And then I came back here finally for, so I've been here um, for, this will be my, I'm finishing my eighth year. Wow. Here, Yeah. So you've been to almost all corners, all corners. That's of the right. County. I you have, know, you've had the, quite the commute. I have. The drive. And for somebody that doesn't like change, that was that was a lot for me. So in in your time at Northwest, do you have? I know you have so many great memories. So is there something that's? I mean, I know both of your kids are here, which is I think. Well, I, I overlapped yeah. one year with my son teaching, and I think that there's special memories involved with that part of it. But do you have a memory that stands out from your time here at Northwest? Um. I have a lot. I think that, you know, it's kind of cliche to say the proms and the big and the big things that happen. You know, I I look forward to all of those things. But 
I think my favorite memory now that he's gone, I realized that any day that I got to work with Mr. Kitley was a day that, you know, now it's a memory, you know, it's right, not something right. that I'll have anymore, but I realized what a gift that was um, because it, it really did help me to um, make the right decisions in a time of crisis that I thought and have confidence in myself, you know, that I, you know, I could do this. I could lead a school that doesn't have any students in it now. Right, right. <laughs> you, know? you can but do still, the hard part. But, right. it, but still, I think that um, if I had not had as many years as I had with, with Mr. Kentley, then I don't know that I would have been confident enough to, to jump into this role. So. Well, and into that, let me talk a little bit about that now. What do you think is the hardest part, been the hardest part for you for this distance learning? And I think everybody has something where it's hard for them. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's, you know, I'm fairly new to the Northwest community and I think it's, that's hard for me because it's like, I haven't had a chance to root, take, I mean, to, to take the roots yet. Right. And, you know, and I, I'm like, I feel like I'm kind of robbed of that. So I think for different people, they have different things. So what for you has been one of the hardest things? I think that what we thought was going to be hard hasn't really been hard because the teachers jumped in with both feet to distance learning, which they don't like. They like to have their babies right in front of them, you know, um, and they like the community. Um, they feel like they can hold them more accountable when they're in front of them. But I, I and the students, you know, are signing on and you you really get to that's been the easy part. The the actual online program has had its um, kind of learning issues, I guess, just getting used to things. But that part has been easy. The hardest part has been um, (laughs) motivating students to work in a time when they don't know if grades are going to matter. And I think that teachers and parents and students struggle with that. And because we've always had, and I say this loosely, but you hold grades over students' heads or students are only motivated to work if they know that it's going to be graded. And so now we're having to learn to really depend on that relationship piece. And and I think that's okay. And I think that's good. I think that's what teaching and learning is all about anyway, is a shared conversation. And so we've had to, you know, reprioritize a little bit in that sense. But I think that if we can just all relax and realize that, you know, teachers, you know, communicating, having conversations, um, being in the moment with students online, students, if you can just you know, you're making, you're making your own life path at this point. And so you're going to miss out. You're missing out on class time, whether you're working or just talking, you're missing out on all that. So take advantage of the opportunities you have to still connect with your classmates and your teachers. Well, I think too, to realize too, that there's something valuable for learning for the sake of learning. And that, you know, some piece like, okay, maybe you only have a little bit more of this class left, whether it's math or physics or, or biology, but some part of that is is a building block you're going to need for a future sure. class. Right. And to say, you know what, I'm not going to get a grade on this, but for some time in my future, I need to know this. And it's important for me to be a better person right. to know this, for them to try to help, help people, help people under, understand that. So and that's, that's, that's a really good point. Well, what, 
what do you think, like in your time here that you've done this job is in your AP job? What What's the best part of your job? What's the thing you really, really love about being a, a principal, assistant principal? Well, I'm, I want to be able to say it's being with kids. Right. You know, so well, I'm not it, really, aside from this, you know, aside from this um, thing. I think that right now in this moment, the best part is just being able to calm everybody's nerves, I guess right, right. you could say. It's just like you're good at take that take the what the district is saying and what the protocols are going to be, and you know all those things that are giving given to us and putting it out there in a way that you know it's going to be okay. It is all going to be okay. We are. You know, we're in a crisis and nobody deserved or thought that it was going to be this way. But it's just an opportunity for a new conversation. And I like that. Like, I like that piece of it. It's, you know, at this point, when your kids are in the building, you have to find ways to reach out to them and to watch teachers and other staff members come up with ways to honor the seniors or to put together a video to say, we miss you. Those are things that we wouldn't do if the kids were in our building. Right. And those are things that the kids may never really get to hear teachers say until they're not here. And hopefully we can use those things, like take the best parts of this and say, okay, these are things we want right. to keep going forward. Absolutely. Okay, All right. So let's step away from Ms. Hiller, the educator, and talk a little bit more. This is why everybody's listening to the podcast for the, for the, for the, for the, um, Ms. Ms. Hiller, the person. So tell me, tell us a little bit about, most people know, but tell, for those of you, people, a parent, we have lots of people are listening to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about your family, um, your kids, how old they are. So... I have two kids. Avery is a junior here and Spencer is a freshman here. So So what um, are the things you guys like to do as a family? What do you? Wow. Right now we're in the throes of uh, driving and learning to drive and looking at colleges. So there's a lot of, I don't know. um, I always felt like I was so proud because I was like, you know, my kids got through middle school and, you know, we didn't have any issues. There were never any like mean girl issues or, you know, anything like that. And I thought we were going to just skate through high school without any issues. And and it, that's just not <laughs> how, it's, how it's happened. So, um, you know, principal, principal's kids are kind of like preacher's kids. They're not always, <laughs> you know, they don't always make the best decisions, but um you know, we live in a little salt box house, so we're right on top of each other. So there's no, like, place to really get away from one another. Which is hard in time um, right now. So we spend a lot of time working out our working out our issues and trying not to yell and be, um, be extremely obnoxious. But um, we, we, right now, all of our interests are different. You know, when they were little, it's like you could, oh, let's go to the park, you know. They don't want to go to the park with you tomorrow. So if you're not feeding them Chick-fil-A or, um, well, Avery doesn't even really care about shopping. So it's not even, you know, like, or if, you know, Spencer doesn't get his Xbox time. That's all they, they care about. So we're having to to kind of reinvent ourselves in terms of the things that we like to do. Yeah. Well, um, like my th- I know the same thing, like my son and I, our big thing to do together is he's a freshman in college, so he's home now, but our big thing together is watch NBA. And like now I'm like, Oh, 
Okay, I guess we have to find another common ground. I think that a lot of families yeah. are probably going to, yeah. that, to find a new, a new We thing. do watch Jeopardy. That's well, the thing. That's a no, good that's thing. That's kind of, my dad and I did it when I was little. And so that's just something we didn't, you know, even mean for it to be a tradition. It just is. Everybody is in the same room at 730 to watch Jeopardy. I'll, and that's I'll, what I'll we like do. That. That's fine. Now, do you have any pets? We do. We have two cats. Um Benji and B. Um, are they friendly cats? Are they people cats? They, they are, are they? definitely people cats. They are definitely people cats. Um, and then we have a an outside cat that I rescued, um, and his name is Walter. And um, he he's really an inside cat too now because he he. He's taken up with us, so I yeah. love that. We, I love, I love the idea. Of all of my, my pets have been like rescues or some, some found, and it's, it's fun to have them that way. All right, the last five questions. Can you believe that? Five more I questions. Know. We're gonna. I'm, I'm acknowledging that I'm ripping this off from Dickerson <laughs> and Hood on ESPN Radio. So this is there. So I'm acknowledging that I'm taking something that belongs to somebody else and using it for our benefit. We're gonna play this or that. Okay. So I'm gonna give you two things, and you have to pick. Which one you'd rather have? Okay. okay. All right. It's, it's okay. fine. I promise you. All right. Pie or cake? Cake. Okay. What? Where do you get? Where's your go-to for cake here in Greensboro? Oh God. Well, Maxi B's is right next to my house. Oh my so gosh. Definitely. What's your get? What do you like there? I like. There's an Italian cream yes. cake. Anything with cream cheese icing, carrot cake. I love. I love yeah. all of it. Yeah. All right. Mexican or Italian? Mexican. For all right. Sure. What's your go-to Mexican? Where do you uh, like? Um, I will eat any kind of Mexican, really. There's a there's a place, I won't really say what it is on Battleground, but they have the best cheese dip, and it's a big bowl of cheese dip, oh, not a little bowl of cheese dip. So, yeah. I miss the, those, I miss going to get the cheese dip and the chip. Well, our family's big into Mexican, too, so we do. All right, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Coke, yeah, me too. All right, mountain or beach? Oh. Either one sounds pretty oh. good right now, right? You know, the older I get. I'm back to the mountains. I grew up in the mountains and swore I would never go back. But now I'm like, oh, mountains. Mountains. Okay. WMAG 99.5 or Rock 92. Rock 92 for sure. Chris in the morning. All right. Yes. All right. That's funny. Okay. So no Delilah for you. You don't listen to Chris no, in the morning. No. But here's a funny story. I go to exercise at Orange Theory and I did not realize that. But Chris in the morning was exercise. He exercises there. And one time he fell off the treadmill right beside me. Like it was like, he's like six something Yeah, he's tall. a big guy. Yeah. And he just tumbled right over there. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy fell. And to realize later, oh my gosh, this, Look is, who it is. this yeah, is the same thing. Talking about his to, orange, to talk, theory. orange theory thing. So yeah. anyway, thank you so You're much welcome. for being our first guest Yay. on Voice of the Vikings. Woo! All right, we will launch. We hope to see everybody next week. We're going to be launching on Mondays, and we will. If you have somebody you want us to interview, remember to send us send us an email so who, to opinions at gcsnc.com So we'll start booking other staff members. Take care, Vikings. 